Hello there, faithful listener. You've tuned in to season seven of the Bible Explained podcast. So make sure to grab your cup of coffee because today we are going to be discussing the book of Acts. Well, hello and good morning, friends and faithful listeners. Welcome to the Bible Explained podcast on this very, very cold morning. I heard there's a wind chill advisory all over the Midwest right now, or at least there was. I don't know if it's still going on right now, but uh, it's been pretty cold, pretty cold. And I shared a picture of my my dog Bandit on Facebook because he's just hilarious. <laughs> he is so funny. I had to bundle him like in boots and a little coat and a headscarf because it is just altogether too cold for a, a dog like him who has almost no hair and uh, is very small. So he looks ridiculous. And I, I shared that picture on Facebook for the enjoyment of everybody, even though my dog was very much not enjoying that. All right. So grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea this morning for you crazy tea drinkers out there. And let's go ahead and read Acts chapter 18 verses 18 through 28. And there's a lot of good things we're going to talk about today. A lot of really good things regarding the law and even women teaching. So let's talk about this. I'll be reading out the W.E.B. as I always do. But once again, this is Acts 18, 18 through 28. Paul, having stayed after this many more days, took his leave of the brothers and sailed from there for Syria, together with Priscilla and Aquila. He shaved his head in Centria, for he had a vow. He came to Ephesus and he left them there, but he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay with them a longer time, he declined. But taking his leave of them, he said, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return again to you if God wills. Then he set sail from Ephesus. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the assembly and went down to Antioch. Having spent some time there, he departed and went through the region of Galatia and Phrygia in order, establishing all the disciples. Now, a certain Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by race, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus. He was mighty in the scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, although he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. When he had determined to pass over into Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to receive him. When he had come, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace, for he powerfully refuted the Jews, publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. So last time we talked about how Paul was in Corinth and he had actually stayed in Corinth for a really long time, teaching the Gentiles about Jesus in that area. And he was also growing a church in Corinth. But after a year and a half of Paul being there, it actually says that Paul was dragged into the court by some Jews who were very angry about the Christian message being spread because Christianity was not very popular and never really has been. But some people dragged Paul into the court and were very angry about the message of Jesus. However, Gallio, who was the like the the proconsul of that region of Corinth, didn't care. And he was like, I don't care about this. I don't care about religion. 
I don't want to hear about it. And so he kicked Paul out of his courtroom along with all of the Jews. So then some kind of riot happened and poor Sosthenes, who was the uh, who was the leader of the synagogue, ended up getting beat like crazy. And we don't exactly know what happened there, but a riot happened. Either the Jews attacked Sosthenes or the Greeks attacked Sosthenes just because he was a Jew. We don't know exactly what ended up happening there. But Paul was safe and he had been safe for a year and a half. So it says that after all this stuff happened and even after that riot happened, Paul still stayed in Corinth for a while. And that's what we started talking about today. It says Paul, having stayed after this many more days, took his leave of the brothers. So we don't know how much longer Paul was in Corinth, but it says it was many more days. So that could be a month. That could be several months. But Paul stayed in Corinth for at least a year and a half. That's what we know for sure. So after this, Paul decides it's time to go. And remember Priscilla and Aquila, the, the married couple that Paul had met who were Christians. Paul actually took Priscilla and Aquila with him to Syria after they all left Corinth. You know, Priscilla and Aquila, they kind of came to Corinth because they had to. They were originally they had originally lived in Rome. And they had gotten kicked out of Rome because we know that Aquila was a Jew and all Jews were kicked out of Rome because Jews were also not popular. So Aquila and Priscilla ended up relocating to Corinth. And so that's how they met Paul. And we don't know if they became Christians because of Paul's message or if they had already heard about Christianity and became a Christian Christians in Rome. We're not really sure, but they meet Paul and they strike up a friendship with Paul and Paul ended up actually staying with them. So it didn't seem like Priscilla and Aquila had a lot of ties to Corinth. It was kind of just a place that they had to go to because they got kicked out of their home city, which was Rome. So they end up traveling actually with Paul over to Syria because they were now very interested in helping Paul with the mission, with spreading Christianity to all the nations, being evangelists. So here's what verse 18 says. Paul, having stayed after this many more days, took his leave of the brothers in Corinth and sailed from there for Syria together with Priscilla and Aquila. He shaved his head in Centria, for he had a vow. So most people reading that would assume that it was Paul that had taken the vow. But if you look back at the original, it actually is pretty ambiguous as to who took this vow, meaning it was either Paul or Aquila who took this vow. And this would have been a Nazarene vow because it says that he shaved his head in Centria for he had a vow. So that was most likely talking about a Nazarene vow. Now, if you guys remember what that is, we talked a lot about that in the Old Testament side of stuff, specifically when we were discussing Samson's life. We talked about how Samson was a Nazarene and that's why his hair was super long and super thick was because he never cut it because part of the Nazarene law was to never cut your hair because as you were fulfilling your vow, you weren't supposed to cut your hair. And then at the end of everything, once your vow was fulfilled to God, you could you were supposed to shave your head, actually. And so somebody here in Acts 18 took a vow, whether it was Paul or Aquila. We don't actually know, but it is partially safe 
to assume that it was Aquila that took the vow and not Paul. And that is because of Galatians chapter two. And if you go over there, and this is out of the NLT I'm going to be reading from, it says in verse 19 through 21, and this is Paul speaking. When I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless for if keeping the law can make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. So what Paul is saying there is that many aspects of the law, specifically the ceremonial aspects or the, the, you know, very religious aspects of the law, Paul was no longer keeping those parts of the law because those religious aspects could not save anybody. And Paul was very big with talking about that basically to other Christians, stating that they didn't have to keep the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament because the ceremonial laws, such as the one about circumcision or in this case, vow making, wouldn't get them closer to God. It wouldn't justify them. The only thing that could save people and the only thing that does save people is the sacrifice that Jesus made, believing in Jesus as your savior, believing that Jesus was the one who justified you and that Jesus kept the Old Testament law perfectly. And we can't keep the Old Testament law perfectly. So Jesus justified us through his sacrifice. So all of that in a nutshell... (laughs) is me getting at that it's possible that Aquila took this vow of the Nazarene back here in in Acts chapter 18 because Paul no longer followed those kinds of aspects of the Old Testament law anymore. And we know that Aquila being a Jew, being raised a Jew, possibly still followed those aspects of the Old Testament law. And Paul never condemned that, by the way. Paul never said, you can't follow these aspects of the law or don't do it. He rather said, You know, do it if you want to do it, but just know that that can't save you. So whether or not it was Paul or Aquila that took this vow of the the Nazarene, we don't exactly know. Most people assume it was Paul. But even if it was Paul, that doesn't mean that Paul is, you know, contradicting himself by, you know, making a vow to God or something like that. It just means that if you want to follow a certain aspect, if you want to do a certain a traditional thing or a certain traditional ceremony, you can absolutely do that. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Like, for example, I actually know some people who choose to follow the idea of the Sabbath, you know, based upon the Old Testament. When they do that, they feel closer to God. You know, they, they dedicate the Sabbath day or a Saturday to just helping other people or, you know, worshiping God that day or only you know, consuming certain types of content that day, something along those lines. And they want to do that, but that is not what's going to save them from their sins. The only thing that can save you is Jesus's blood, Jesus's sacrifice. So anyway, whether it was Aquila or Paul, not exactly sure. But after all of this, it says, He came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. So now Paul, Aquila and Priscilla have gone to Ephesus. And so that's basically where Priscilla and Aquila are going to stay. And Paul goes there to reason with the Jews again. That's a lot of what Paul did was going into the synagogues to speak to the Jews specifically and to the Gentiles who also gathered there and talk about Jesus. 
But after some time, it says that Paul wanted to leave Ephesus to go to Jerusalem because there was an upcoming feast that he wanted to be in Jerusalem for. And we're not exactly sure why. Possibly it's because if Paul was the one who took that vow of the Nazarene, he wanted to go to Jerusalem to completely finish up the vow that he had made. Or it's possible that he just wanted to go to Jerusalem to keep this feast because it was a, a time when a lot of Jews were going to go to Jerusalem and it would be prime time for Paul to spread the gospel to a lot more people than on a typical day in Jerusalem. So Paul is determined to go to Jerusalem, even though the people in Ephesus are like, no, Paul, stay with us. He says, no, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, but by God's will, I will be back. I will return to Ephesus and see you guys all again. And so he set sail to Ephesus. And then it mentions in verses 22 and 23, all these other cities that Paul visited, both on the way to Jerusalem and on the way back to Ephesus, it seems like. And Paul was just doing his normal thing of building up the churches while also speaking to the disciples in each of these cities. Meanwhile, Priscilla and Aquila are back in Ephesus and they are also doing the work of God there. Now, it doesn't seem like Priscilla and Aquila were very vocal per se, not like Paul anyway. They were more of the servant type. They were more of disciples. They helped more, but I don't think they were preachers, if that makes sense. They didn't seem like the type that went out and preached the same way that Paul did. But while Priscilla and Aquila are at the the synagogue in Ephesus, they meet Apollos. And he was an Alexandrian by race, meaning he was from Egypt, but he was also a Jewish man. So this guy Apollos is in the synagogue And he was mighty in the scriptures. It says he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. He was fervent in spirit, meaning he was extremely energetic. (laughs) And he spoke and taught accurately about the things concerning Jesus, but he only knew about the baptism of John. So this means that this young man who was a preacher, who was very energetic and who was very knowledgeable in the scriptures, probably spoke multiple languages He didn't know the entire story about Jesus, but yet he was spreading the gospel of Jesus. So it says that what this young man, Apollos, knew was what John the Baptist had taught. And since John the Baptist had died before Jesus died and rose again, this man's knowledge was not complete about Jesus, meaning that this this man didn't know that Jesus had died and risen again. But he knew that the Messiah had come. And so he's speaking the same message basically as John the Baptist. And he was very fervent about this. And he was very accurate regarding the message of John the Baptist. But he didn't have the full picture. So he's he's preaching and speaking. And I'm sure Priscilla and Aquila are like listening to this young man. And they're like, oh, my gosh, he doesn't have the full story. So they take him aside as a couple. And it says that they actually told him the whole story and they're discipling this energetic preacher. So this can tell you a few things. The first being that every single role is important. Every single spiritual gift that God gives is important for the functionality of the church. Like I said, Priscilla and Aquila, they were not the go-getter 
evangelist preachers the way Paul was and the way this Apollos young man was. But they had the gift of discipleship. They had the gift of helping. They had the gift maybe of of giving to the ministry. And they were using this now to guide Apollos into the full message of Jesus Christ. It also tells you that because it mentions that both Priscilla and Aquila took him aside, that a husband and a wife can counsel together. Now, you guys know if you've listened to any of my podcast episodes in the past, I do believe in complementarianism. I am not an egalitarian, meaning that I believe that men and women were created different but equal. So men and women have different roles in the church, but one job is not above another job. But egalitarians believe that both men and women were created completely equally. And so that means that they can both do the exact same job, meaning that they basically aren't different at all. Men can preach, women can preach. But me being a complementarian, believe that women and men have different roles that God wants each person to do. And you might be like, well, what about Deborah in the Old Testament? Well, I've gone into Deborah in extensive detail. And if you're interested in what I believe about Deborah and Deborah's role, then check out the YouTube video that I have linked in the description of this episode. And that also goes more into complementarianism and egalitarianism. However, going back to Acts chapter 18, it says that both Priscilla and Aquila took Apollos aside and taught him the entire gospel message. So that means that husbands and wives together can be a team to effectively teach the gospel. So does that mean that a husband and wife duo can run a church together? And I think that personally, yes, it could be done the right way, but most likely it would not be done the right way. (laughs) If that makes sense, it would have to be done in a similar way that we see Priscilla and Aquila running their church together because we do know that a church met in their house. And so they did run a church together. So yes, a church can be run correctly by a husband and wife duo. But I think in order for it to be done correctly, it would have to be the husband in that scenario, teaching and preaching and the wife doing other things, being a deaconess, even being a worship leader. But I should mention that all of this is regarding a church setting the whole complementarian and egalitarian thing. I am talking about the church specifically. But moving forward in the story, Priscilla and Aquila teach Apollos about the message of Jesus and Apollos accepts it. So that shows another thing about his character, by the way. He was also very humble. He didn't think that his knowledge was above, you know, Priscilla or Aquila's knowledge of scripture. He truly wanted to spread the gospel. And so that kind of brings me to the question, where did Apollos come from? Apollos had not gotten any former training from any of the disciples, meaning that the message of Jesus had already gone out to the ends of the the earth. And somehow in Alexandria, Apollos heard about it and became a Christian and not from any of the disciples. And God called him to missionary work, to evangelism. 
God brought Apollos to Ephesus at the right time, like exactly the right time so that he could meet Priscilla and Aquila, who were the perfect people together to disciple this young man into the faith and also to help him spread the gospel more effectively to all the nations. And that's exactly what happens. He becomes like a powerhouse evangelist. It says that after all this happened, Apollos goes over to Achaia and the brothers encouraged him and they accepted him there. And it says that when he came to Achaia, he helped those who had believed through grace for he powerfully refuted the Jews publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Alrighty, so we covered a lot of topics today. The first topic that we covered was whether or not the Nazarene vow was taken by Aquila or Paul and what the Nazarene vow was. We also talked about the basics of complementarianism versus egalitarianism in the church. And then we also discussed Apollos, who we're not going to hear too much about later on, but it is possible that his name is mentioned again in Romans, where Paul mentions somebody named Apellus who could actually potentially be Apollos. And lastly, we also talked about Jesus being the only person who is able to keep the Old Testament laws. And then we chatted about how your gift, your spiritual gift matters to the church as a whole. Even if it's not a fancy spiritual gift like, you know, prophecy or healing or evangelism or speaking or something like that, your spiritual gift matters, whatever it might be, whether it's discipleship or discernment or knowledge or something that's more behind the scenes. Your spiritual gift matters to the church. And so don't be ashamed of your spiritual gift. Use it to the best of your ability. Don't be ashamed of a gift that God gave you. Use it because somebody needs it. All right, faithful listeners, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I will see you guys tomorrow for an episode out of 1 Samuel. Happy listening and God bless.